You know, in all my years of pastoring, I can't remember a time where it's been more emotionally explosive than it is right now. I believe we have definitely hit the trifecta of emotions. We know that we're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic that has really changed our lifestyle, that has really uh, changed how we live our daily lives. There we know that there is uh, large numbers of unemployment um, and because of that, the financial difficulties that people are experiencing can be overwhelming. And of course, in our nation, as we battle to defeat systemic racism and fighting daily for justice and equality, each of these experiences has caused there to be a tsunami of emotions that is really unprecedented. And while I was praying for you, um, and as Vernon and I do every day, I felt the heaviness of these emotions. And the more I prayed, the more I realized that there was three specific areas that kept coming up in my heart. And that was anger, bitterness, and anxiety. And here's my concern for you and my assignment in this new series. While our communities begin to reopen, I would hate to see your hearts remain closed and unprepared. I believe there's a new season that's before us. I believe that there is something that God wants to do for us that is on a breakthrough level. Absolutely. So many people that I talk to believe that this new season is upon us. And so because of that, it's important that we really have healthy and free souls, that our hearts are alive and active and, and, and being in that place where we are strong in every area of our lives. I totally understand that we have a lot of work to do ahead of us for our nation, for our churches. Um, there's no doubt about it, but we can face it um, in freedom and liberty. We don't have to face all this work that we have to do angry, bitter, or full of anxiety. So today I want to start a new three-part series, and I'm entitling this series before I can move forward. Before I can move forward. I believe it's important that we understand that there is a forward motion that each one of us have to make. And so today I want to deal with breaking the power of anger. Breaking the power of anger. In fact, breaking free from anger. And I believe that as we break free from anger, that the Spirit of God will help us deal with these heavy emotions that are going on on the inside of us today. Here's our big takeaway for today. And it's very important. Mark Twain said it. I really believe it's so good. Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than anything on which it is poured. Wow. That's a... That's, important today when you understand when we have we deal with anger when we deal with the 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 challenge of this emotion we have to understand that when it's stored in us man it becomes something that undermines our faith and sets us up for something that is by no means God's highest and best anger itself um, manifests in many different ways there's no doubt about it one type of anger is characterized by quickly blazing up, then, then subsiding just as quickly. 
and then another anger tends to settle in and take root like a low-grade virus. It lingers in the mind and waits for the perfect opportunity to lash out. And then another type of anger provokes us to be proactive and do some good in our lives. Anger can manifest in yelling and hitting and damaging others. And anger criticizes, withdraws, ridicules, humiliates, despises, teases, puts down. Um, it disrespects. It gives the silent treatment, even rebels, and may even turn around and take on the role of the victim. One way or another, it will emerge. See, the Bible has a few things to say about anger. In fact, 15 different instances in the Bible, it mentions the word anger and the word fire in the same verse. Man, the comparison obviously is, is dramatic um, and obviously paints a picture that immediately helps us to see uh, what anger and fire do together, revealing the qualities of this volatile emotion. So fire is a gift that can sustain life. Fire, when contained and controlled and managed, can warm us. It can cook our food. It can light the candles of that romantic dinner. However, when fire rages out of control, it meant it can destroy everything and anything in its path, consuming it in moments that's taken us a lifetime to build. Just like fire, our anger can be constructive or it can be destructive used as a catalyst for justice and the pursuit of God's righteousness. Anger can cleanse and restore and unite. Or we can allow our anger to rage out of control. There's no doubt about it. And our frustrations and our, our, our desires and our grievances um, combined with out of control anger opens the door for us to hurt others, bring terror and fear to those closest to us. I have a very serious question I want to ask you today. When was the last time you invited the devil into your heart for a sleepover? Wow. Think about that for a moment. When was the last time you invited the devil into your heart for a sleepover? Strange question you might ask, but no, it's not so strange when you understand Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27 says this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So think about this today. Um, let's begin where Paul opens with this admonishment. Here in, in the first part of verse 26, he says, In your anger... Do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. Think about this. This comes from and is quoted from Psalm 4.4. And it's an important note that God does not tell us not to get angry, but he tells us what to do about our anger. This also, this verse goes on to say, anger in and of itself is not sinful. Think about that. Anger in and of itself is not sinful. Again, just like fire, there are two types of anger. The first is the good kind, and we might call that righteous anger. 
it's a powerful emotion that we can experience. And, and when we get upset about something that actually affronts God or something that opposes the truth, this kind of anger leads us to a righteous reaction. Righteous anger is when we take a stand, speak the truth, peacefully protest, and express the problem in a way that accurately represents God's heart. So you need to understand the difference between righteous anger and then the other kind of anger that opens the door for us to actually sin. The bad kind of anger, on the other hand, usually results when we lose control of our emotions and take matters in our own hands. And again, we call this sinful anger. And what is sinful anger? Sinful anger is getting angry at something, maybe even something legitimate, something that also angers God, but then allowing that anger to lead us to do wrong things. I hope you see the difference because it's a big difference today. And it really helps us to know the difference between the righteous anger and sinful anger. And the second part of Ephesians uh, verse, this verse, uh, verse 26 says this. It says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, I can't tell you how vitally important that verse is. What wisdom God is giving us here, right here. And he's telling us, make sure you deal with your anger quickly. See, we can't let anger fester. We can't let anger get the best of us. So it's very important that we understand this because the Bible tells us what happens if we go to bed angry. Here's verse 27. Look what it says. It says, and do not give the devil a foothold. So when you go to bed angry, when you go to bed and you have not dealt with that emotion of anger, you have to understand you are giving the devil a foothold. So you might say, well, what is a foothold? Well, we, the Greek word for foothold is the actual Greek word topos, which literally means opportunity or location. It is an occupied territory. Wow. Think about this. If you open the door to the devil through your anger, you're actually offering him a guest room inside your heart. You are actually sleeping with the devil. Think about that. You are sleeping with the enemy. How many times have has couples, we as couples, man, my wife and I included, how many times have we not learned the lesson and we went to bed angry, giving the devil a seven hour, eight hour, nine hour, or how many hour head start um, to run havoc in our emotions and, and, to, and to that open door that we allow, that opportunity that we allow the enemy because we don't deal with our anger quickly. And the Bible is full of examples of what happens when we allow the enemy to set up camp in our hearts. The most famous one in the Bible is, is Adam and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel. You might know the story. Let me tell you it. Both of them made sacrifices to God. Abel made a sacrifice to God and it was accepted. Why? Because he did it exactly the way God told him to do it. Cain offered a sacrifice, but it was rejected. Why? Because God was angry, didn't like Cain? No, because Cain did it his way. He didn't do it God's way. And so it was rejected. And because it was rejected, Cain got extremely upset. He got so angry 
And he opened the door and allowed the devil to walk right in. And consider what God said to, to Cain. Genesis chapter 4, 6 and 7 says this. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will, will you not be accepted? But if you do not what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Man, those are some important words. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Well, we know the rest of the story because Cain did not rule over it. Cain let his anger overtake him. And what happened? He actually murdered his brother, Abel. God warned Cain that sin was, what? Crouching at his door. But instead of locking the door of his heart and then barricading that door, Cain opened it wide open and allowed enemy occupation. That's exactly what we do and we don't deal with our anger quickly. We allow and open the door for enemy occupation in our hearts. By allowing his anger to rule over him, he lacked, listen, uh, his lack of containment led him to sin, and not just any sin, but the taking of a human life. So how does anger usually manifest? Let's talk about this. Let's unfold this a little bit more before I give you a few solutions that I believe will help you deal with your anger to open up your heart so it's not so closed and unprepared for what God is bringing to each one of us. So how does it manifest? Well, your default style is very important, your conflict management style. Most of us express our anger in one or two ways, either with a hair trigger or a slow cooker. You are either, listen, you are either a spewer or a stewer. You're one or the other. Are you a spewer or are you a stewer? Spewers have no problem, right, expressing their anger. A spewer has a short fuse and a hot temper. And if you're a spewer, when you get angry, everybody knows about it. Maybe you rationalize it by saying, you know what? It's just building up inside of me. It's no big deal. I had to get it out. I had to release it, let off some steam. It's not a big deal. And we, we, don't, we don't recognize the danger of the consistency of being a spewer. Consider what the Bible says about this approach um, in dealing with our anger. Proverbs 14, 17 says, A quick-tempered person does foolish things. Oh my goodness, can I raise my hand towards that? I'm sure you can too. Man, the foolish things we end up saying, the foolish things we end up doing, the foolish choices we end up making, a quick-tempered person does foolish things. No doubt about it. In Proverbs, it goes on to say it just another way. Proverbs 29, the first part of verse 11 says, fools give full vent to their anger. Notice, a fool does it. I don't want to be a fool. You don't want to be a fool. And sometimes we are being fools. We don't realize that we are being fools. We know something's wrong, but the Bible says, fools give full vent. And then it goes on to say, and, and if, if we recognize that that's true, but the end result could be this, but the wise bring calm in the end. My goodness, there is an alternative. Man, the wise would bring calm. We don't give in to our fear, our worry. We don't 
our anger. We don't give in to all those things. Absolutely are combined together. But you're not off the hook, though. If you're congratulating yourself that you're not a spewer, man, there's so many others that do with their anger and what they just bottle it up. And I call them stewers, right? You might not explode and lash out, but your anger is still there. Instead of exploding volcano, you're like a wildfire be hiding below the tree line after a lightning strike. The sparks of your anger come out in the rolling of your eyes or being sarcastic or you can just tell this, you know, this passive aggressive in your eyes, in your face, your posture. You hold a grudge and you look for the opportunity for payback and maybe you're hypercritical and judgmental as a result of your slow burning coals of anger. David in the Old Testament was a great example of a frequent stewer. Psalm 20, Psalm 32 verse 3 records a time when David was really upset and he was holding it in. And verse 3 says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. He bottled it up like so many do and we get upset and rather than talking things out in a healthy way, we pour them out in our internal crock pot and the pressure cooks them. And, and, and it, at some point, it's going to reveal itself. But man, it's that stewing and that, that low-lying fire that cannot be seen until it's too late. Sure, on the outside, you might look like you have control of yourself. And that's why I can hide in many cases uh, that it's under control. But it's right there before the surface. You know that's true. Right there before the sun at the surface. And it just takes a little scratch or a little comment or a look from somebody, or a bump that's accidental, and kablooey, it explodes. Why? Because the smoldering is building up the heat and eventually erupts into flames at any minute. What stewards practice is the opposite of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says this, Love is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Now, that's a whole nother subject, that's for sure. And I'm not saying that's easy to do. But, but when you walk in love, it takes no account of the evil done to it. Think about it. Stewards keep a long list of offenses. Man, they have them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They can rehearse it. They can say it over and over again. And a list of offenses. She did this and he did that. And I'll never forgive them for this. They stew and stew and stew and on the ways they feel others have wronged them. Listen very carefully. Whether served hot or cold, angry stew, listen, angry stew is a poisonous dish a carcinogen that will grow a cancer inside of you. Wow. Think about that. Let that linger there a little bit. And whether it's cold or hot, man, this angry stew is not something that is going to benefit you or anybody around you. And so here we have the challenges that we've been talking about. And so let me give you two closing thoughts that I believe will help us break free from anger. Two little Really simple things, but man, they, they've done a world of good in my life and the life of others that I've helped through this process of uncontrollable anger. Number one, 
listen, listen, listen. Oh, I can't say that enough. You got to slow down and listen. We have to engage our heart. We have to get out of our mind and our head and our soul where all those hurts and emotions are. And we have to get to a place where we can listen because James 1 gives us some great counsel here in verse 19. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Take note. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Oh my goodness, this is so important that we understand the importance that we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. It really is an important reason. Here's what God's saying to us in these verses. He's saying, listen more than you talk and be slow to become offended and slow to get angry because offense and anger do not promote my righteousness. There's a lifestyle that God wants us to live. The righteousness of God, His way of being and doing. And any time that we are not slow um, to be offended and not slow to become becoming angry, that in no way promotes the lifestyle of God. By no way promotes God's plan and purpose and how God wants to bring resolution to those specific areas that you are angry about. Some very important and, and very real and others just kind of getting under your skin and being in that place where it becomes a problem. The second thing I want to tell you as we close today, number two, is this. Talk to God before you talk to people. Talk to God before you talk to people. Because when you're angry, what do you want to do? You want to immediately get on the phone. You want to immediately give somebody a piece of their mind, a piece of your mind. You want to immediately get to that place where you are confronting and, man, you're volatile and you got to get it out now. And it's so important. This has helped me tremendously as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, as, as a, a man. Talk to God before you talk to people. Listen very carefully. If you take the time to talk to God, if you take the time to talk to God instead of spewing and stewing, you will often discover that either God changes your heart or He changes the other person without your help. Man, that's so powerful and that's so strong. And you need to see this because it's so important that oftentimes when you take time to talk to God, you know what has happened more than once? He changed my heart. He helped me realize, Jonathan, you're at fault here. You're the one that opened the door to this. You're the one that, that caused this to go to another level. Or when you take the time to talk to God, what happens? He changes the heart of the other person without even you confronting them. See, we've got to involve God. We've got to involve someone bigger than us when this anger, the spewing and the stewing gets the best of us. All your relationships will go smoother if you'll just take the time to talk to God first. David did this in the Psalms. He talked to God. He ventilated vertically. When's the last time did you ventilate, get it off your chest, and vent vertically? David vented vertically here in the Psalms. Man, what a great lesson that is. If we'll take the time in our anger to pause, right? When you're angry, count to 10. When you're extremely angry, count to 100. 
right? There's that pause. There's that slow down process. And that's where we help our children in their anger and their emotion. We help our friends. We help people around us. We help all the challenges and the crazy emotions that are going on around us in our world today. Man, we need to slow down, right? And, and, and God's never frustrated with you crying out to Him. He isn't. He's never surprised by your anger. He's never surprised by your insecurities, your fears, and any other emotion. So go ahead and tell Him exactly how you feel. Vent vertically way before you vent horizontally. What would happen if we took the time to vent vertically first? Oh my goodness, there, we, 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 we get in less trouble, right? We wouldn't have to repent as often. We, we wouldn't say all those words that we put inside of our heart that we can't wait to say and we're rehearsing. I'll say it this way and if they say this, I'll, I'll say that. Come on, we've all been there and done that. James 4 is so important because James notes that the many conflicts are caused by not talking to God. Yes, listen to what he says in James 4, verse 1. It says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? You want something, but you don't get it. You do not have because you do not ask God. Oh my goodness, that is so important. See, instead of looking to God, we look to others to make us happy. We look to others to make us feel fulfilled. We look at others and, and then we get angry at them because they fail us. Right? God says, why don't you come to me first? See, God is the one who fulfills us. When you put that pressure on your husband, when you put that pressure on your wife to fulfill you, when you put that pressure on your friends, or you put that pressure on a pastor or, or the pastor on his congregants or his staff, we, we put pressure on people and then they fail us because they were never meant to fulfill that particular need of our lives. Only God can fulfill every one of your needs, right? Why don't you come to me first, God says. See, who's in charge of your life today? I, I hear that same thing in my heart that God said to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. Don't let your hair trigger or your slow cooking anger tell you what to do anymore. Be wise. Don't give the enemy a spot of ground to stand on, not a nanometer of anything that would cause you to rise up and not be who you need to be. See, we need to slow down. And I get this question asked to me often. It is always, is this always going to be so difficult to, con to control and manage my emotions? Well, the good news is that the more you depend upon God and His way of dealing with uncontrolled anger, right, the freer you'll become. It's time to take action. It's time to be aggressive in your determination not to be a slave to your emotions. Listen, listen, nothing changes just because you heard this message today. It's what you do with what you heard. It's what you do with the knowledge you gained today and what you do from this day forward, amen, as you lead the charge to say, I'm going, to, I'm free. I'm not, I'm moving forward. I don't want to stay stuck. I don't want to remain in this place. Amen. Invite God to make you more like himself and then let him. 
Listen very carefully. It's time to stop letting anger control you and turn you into something God never intended you to be. It's time for you to move forward healthy and free. Let me tell you something. I have met more people that it was not the real them, what anger turned them into. And you don't like what it turns you into. You know you're not that way. You know you're not that person. That's not your personality. But it's amazing how anger turns us into someone God never intended for us to be. It's time for you to move forward healthy and free. I would encourage you today that this moving forward is so important. This moving forward into the next season is so important. Don't be, let there be this anchor that holds you back into this next new season of God's highest and best. God has so much in store for us and we cannot allow anger. And today, if this applies to you, you're putting your foot down and you're going to be determined in your heart to say, no more. I'm not letting it control me. I'm going to listen. I'm going to slow down and I'm going to talk to God before I talk to people. What was our big takeaway today? Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored in than anything on which it is poured. I pray that this word blessed you today. I pray it helped because I know I sure felt the, the, the emotional challenge of this message today. And I pray that it generates conversation, prayer, if necessary, counseling, if necessary, whatever it takes to say, we're breaking the stronghold of this anger in my life, in my marriage, in my friendships, in every area of my life, because it's time to move forward and be free and be whole in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray, Father God, that your word meant something to us. Your word came to our rescue. Your word came alive today. Your word, Lord, caused our hearts to open, our minds to open, to be in a place of, of, of truth, to expose that part of us that is not giving honor and glory to you. So, Father, I thank you for setting us free from uncontrollable anger, setting us free from that explosiveness or that slow burn that sets us up for failure and sets us up for that place that is not healthy. We're moving forward in Jesus' name. We are saying and declaring today that we're determined that uncontrollable anger is no longer going to control me for another day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you today. You know, I, I feel strongly that not only you who are dealing with anger, you know, today's Father's Day. And there are many fathers that deal with this anger. And they carry it on to their sons and their daughters. And I pray that in the midst of Father's Day, that you also will make a decision, dads, to say, I'm not going to live this way any longer. I don't want to be this kind of example to my son and my daughter, to my family, because it ruins legacy and causes us not to 
be all that God wants us to be. If you don't know Jesus today, I want to pray for you. I want to make sure that your sins are forgiven. Heaven is your home. I want to make sure that this anger that you deal with, that it comes under the blood of Jesus and that Jesus can set you free by simply opening up your heart and letting Jesus be the Lord and Savior of your heart. Jesus shed his blood for you. He died for you. He rose again for you. Eternal life belongs to you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that every person listening to this prayer who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior will open up their heart now and allow Jesus to come into their heart. I pray right now that by your Spirit, Father, that you will touch them as they open up their hearts and ask the Lord, Jesus, forgive me. Set me free. I repent from my sin. I declare you as my Lord. And I thank you for the gift of salvation and eternal life. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. You have a great day. God bless.